You're listening to the Beyond the Profi podcast, where we help you out of career burnout so that you can reclaim your personal freedom while pursuing your passion. I'm your host, Jasmine Haley, entrepreneur, influencer, and educator that will help empower you with our interviews, strategies, and straight talks. If you're ready to push past your comfort zone to your greatness, you have found the right podcast. Stay tuned and listen in. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast. This is Jasmine, your host, and today's guest is Lauren Hateman. Our topic is so very important to really reemphasize the importance of dental hygienists, dental professionals such as dentists, dental assistants, really serving our most vulnerable populations. And so I already, without even going into everything we're going to be talking about, I just feel so full and warm right now because I already know this is going to be an awesome conversation with Lauren. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jasmine. Um, I feel so grateful. Um, Thank you for taking the time to talk to me and I've learned so much from listening to your podcast already, so I'm very, very excited to talk about this. Yes, me too. So what's pretty awesome is that you are a PhDHP, and so Lauren is in Pennsylvania. That is a credential that is seen in Pennsylvania. I haven't seen it in any other state. So let our listeners know exactly what that is before we go into what you're currently doing. Absolutely. So I'm a public health dental hygiene practitioner in the state of Pennsylvania, is a registered dental hygienist who has worked for a total of 3,600 hours, I believe, um, you know, with a licensed uh, dentist. And then as soon as you have a minimum of 3,600 hours, you can apply for your public health license. And what that enables you to do then is go into um, some alternative settings, um, nursing homes. We just had a bill passed in Pennsylvania where we can go into Head Start programs, which is really cool in Philadelphia because a lot of times there's a lack of access because of you know, time and transportation for little ones. So it just gives us a little bit more autonomy when providing our uh, scope of dental hygiene care. And then the restriction under the PhDHP license is that, you know, the patients that we see have to have had an exam by a licensed dentist within the last year. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that because in Maryland, with our general supervision, it's within six months. So okay. I so it's a little that. different. Yeah, yeah. It's, it really opens up a lot of opportunities, both, I think, for clinicians, either, um, you know, people who have had the idea from day one that this is public health is for them and this is the career path that they want, as well as people who have been in practice for a long time and they they wanna try something different and they have a lot of hours under their belt, it gives them a little bit more opportunity. Absolutely, you know, I, um, I was in this Facebook group that was created by the current president of Pennsylvania Dental Hygiene Association, it's called RDH Movers and Shakers. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I don't know if you're a part of that group at all, but um, shout out to Lisa. Yes, Lisa's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> She's a freaking rock star, but um, she, that I think they were talking about that model, and I feel like that model should be really a standard across 
across the country? Because I know that they have the RDHEP on the West Coast. RDHP mm-hmm. is, I mean, just the fact that you're able to have a little bit more autonomy really helps to serve those vulnerable populations and your unique experience in that has led you to your current role. So tell, tell the listeners um, currently what you do, because I think that, you know, sometimes when we get into our programs, we finish our program, we get out into clinical practice, we tend to forget our role as public health dental hygienists. And our role was made to serve the public. Absolutely. Like private practice, you know? Yeah, that's where it all began, right? Yeah. Is we're, we're prevention specialists. And so... Um, so my current role is I work for a federally qualified health center um, as part of an integrated care team. And we, my particular workplace is um, really passionate about caring for people who are either currently homeless or at risk for chronic homelessness. Mm-hmm. And so this is the special population that we see the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I provide hygiene care at Um, the Federally Qualified Health Center in tandem with a licensed dentist. And then we also just recently opened a satellite clinic underneath a subway station in Philadelphia. So it's really, really, I'm very excited about it. So (laughs) one day a week, I'll be going there and providing hygiene care without the dentist present. And it's, it's in a location where a lot of Philadelphia's homeless population goes underground for you know, showers and food mm-hmm. and um, other services. So it'll be nice to be able to increase access in that way too. Yeah, you know, uh, it's been close to a year since I was invited to be a part of um, the interprofessional program that I'm a part of with the University School of Medicine. And so our population that we serve are persons living with HIV or Hep C or um, yes. they're co-infected, or they may be at risk. So one component of it is teaching the new professionals that are going out there to not forget about this vulnerable population. But the other component I have is actually going out to the community for those at risk or currently living. And I tell you, Lauren, um, and you can probably agree with this, that I just felt like my whole, I provided treatment for patients that would come into our clinic, but going to them and actually servicing them, talking with them about their needs, talking about some of the fundamentals of this disease that's plaguing their population really helps you to appreciate how little some people are living with. Some people don't even have a toothbrush. Absolutely. it just makes you feel when you serve populations similar to this that come from a lower socioeconomic group, it gives you more career satisfaction, I feel, when you Absolutely. get to serve in a level like that. You know, it does. And it's kind of, um, it just kind of like turns your whole idea of the profession upside down a little bit in a good way, I think. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a lot of hygienists, um, have experience in private practice and the the type of care provided both are like super valid and and very good and needed but it's almost like a little bit more emotional work working with vulnerable populations mm-hmm. and it's um, more like maybe a milestone is you know having somebody 
remember to change their toothbrush out or even, you know, ha having a toothbrush consistently um, versus, you know, you miss this little bit of plaque here and there. And so it's a, it's a very different and a very rewarding um, type of care that's provided. I agree. And so, I mean, it calls to mind a situation I haven't talked about yet on the podcast and I want to talk about it with you. I feel like it's a safe place. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I feel that every single hygienist, dentist, dental assistant that comes out into the field, whether they're going to be working in private practice fee for service for the rest of their life, they need to spend some time in a public health setting. Um, I feel that a lot of us, because we're working in private practice, we tend to think that, you know, we, we have first world problems, right? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, my gosh, my toothbrush head isn't working. Oh, and my $200 toothbrush, you know, like yeah. there's things like that. And so when I go out and speak and I share topics on persons living with HIV and those dealing with substance use disorder, I get the most interesting comments. But this comment that I got received when I went to go speak out in Colorado, it will be one that I will never, ever forget. There's many stories that I share. So this woman came up to us, us meaning my friend and I, mm -hmm. at the end of me presenting about substance use disorder and HIV and said to me, why don't we just allow these people, these people, by the way, to just oh, die, <laughs> let them die. Oh my gosh. Then they understand the consequences of their actions, which will keep other people from dealing with substance use disorder or dealing with uh, getting infected with HIV. Let me help the listeners understand. I'm a little bit on my soapbox right now, Lauren. And then we'll get no, back. No, <laughs> go. No. <laughs> help the listeners understand that even in your private practice and even with, um, a fee-for-service practice, there was a study done by Kaiser Permanente that showed that people that were well-educated and insured dealt with four or more adverse childhood experiences. So right. can you imagine those who come from a lower socioeconomic group? It's not just the lower socioeconomic group that have dealt with some sort of trauma in their life. And so where is the compassion where are we losing it? And we're losing it because we're not truly serving. We're almost forgetting the value of what our profession was created for. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of that too, I, you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, you're more in academia, so maybe you can support or um, lender, you know, ideas about this. But I think that in schools, people should have rotations with special populations or at least put the time in. Um, and I know a lot of that is dependent upon where the school's located, yeah. what the patient population is like for that school and who students are seeing. But, you know, I agree with you. It gives you the bigger picture. Like what is the general population really? Is it people who are seeing a private practice dentist? Is it people who are going to FQHCs? You know, it's, it's just important to have a really well-rounded idea of who we're serving. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there's some schools that have faculty that are very forward thinking. So mm -hmm. they are given the CODA requirements and then they infuse other aspects into the curriculum, like they infuse service learning experiences or serving these populations all four semesters, whereas some schools where I've actually have worked may only have it on the, in their last semester. And to me, when you don't have enough experience for an extended period of time, it's almost like the students are doing a quick checkoff. I just got to get this done. Right. And this is my requirement. Yes. Yes. When it's integrated throughout and when you focus solely on service and providing for those patients that tend to get overlooked and those, and, and you're dealing with biases and judgments such as, especially if you don't have a family member that, that are dealing with some of the circumstances that our right. population deals with, they tend to come in with judgments already. Mm -hmm. And you can't knock that out in just one short semester. You right, exactly. Yeah, right. you need to, be, need to be that ingrained. And so if there's any people that are listening that are from academia, you know, I only work part-time in academia now. I used to be full-time. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm only part-time, so there's so much I can do, you know, but right. full-time faculty member, please integrate it through all four semesters. Yeah, so absolutely. Have, right. So we don't have clinicians like the clinician that I met who's, who's servicing our patients and thinking that. Right. And I, I, maybe I'm not allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> addiction is, is really a disease. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it through that lens, it kind of takes the stigma out of it because it is, it's, it's a disease, it's an epidemic. And, you know, that could be anybody, at least that's how I feel. And when you, when you look at a patient who's going through an addiction and you're looking at them human to human, mm -hmm. I think it makes a big difference versus, you know, saying these people, you know, that's, I was always taught not to say like these people about any, you know, any generalization like that, but mm -hmm. you know, it is a disease. Yeah, it is a disease and it's multiple reasons why someone may be falling into substance use. It's not just, Oh, well, they're, they're totally, you know, um, they're not responsible. It's more than that. There's biological factors. There's trauma that may have affected someone to make poor behavior decision, like health behavior decisions. There's so yeah. many things that go into everything that puts someone in a vulnerable position, whether it be to um, acquire a sexually transmitted disease such as HIV or to make the decision to actually have alcohol abuse or substance use, you know, disorder. So there's so many things. And, you know, when you work in day in and day out with populations like this, it really helps you to develop more empathy, more compassion, when you're dealing, when you're knowing that these people are just humans, just like us, and demonizing it is not going to solve the problem. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think I understand where you're coming from because I know um, Narcan training is, you know, becoming widely available to healthcare providers in general, and so there's been a lot of pushback in certain like social media groups about you know why does our emergency kit have Narcan and not these other things and Mm -hmm. You know, it's really because it's such a big problem, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and that should say something too. So yeah, but 
yeah. It's a, seg- a segue from that. It's a it's a really awesome career path, and I I love that it's available to us in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I love that. I love that, and that's one of the trainings that I do is talking about use use of naloxone, and you know, it's a way of life. We just gotta accept it, whether we like it or not, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's about saving lives, people. Um, love, so tough love. <laughs> It's about saving lives at the end of it all. <laughs> We're not separate. Like the mouth is just not like some other entity. It's no, connected it's... to our brain, to eyes, to full systems in the body. I know. Yeah, I've gotten really riled up. So let's go back. <laughs> <laughs> As you can oh. see, I'm very passionate about this. Um <laughs> I promised my intent wasn't to come on here and get y'all like. <laughs> oh man, I'm standing up too because I have a standing desk and I'm like, um, my hands are flailing and everything. Like the whole New York is coming out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. So how do you like, how do you maintain your, your um, fulfillment or feeling like you're serving a greater purpose in dentistry? Because you know, this, this was, this really came about this podcast for people who feel disgruntled about our profession, who feel like, oh my gosh, I just want to get out. But right. you no, know, how do you maintain that for yourself, Lauren? Oh, so <laughs> I think a really large part of having that career satisfaction is learning to, because you know, I've been there too, where you find that you're in a stable job, you you know, you're not totally happy with your career, Mm -hmm. but you kind of do this negative self-talk like, Oh, I can't possibly do anything else. Like this is it. And you just become unhappy, um, whether it's because of office dynamics or you're not, you're not going in the direction that you would like to go in with the career. I think the best thing to do is kind of look at those times as growing pains and, to as as much as possible try to find the joy in the journey of navigating in and out of aspects of the dental hygiene career that may or may not be for you right mm-hmm. and so we place a lot of focus on the end goal and that's so super important to um, manifesting what we really want especially mm-hmm. with our profession but these, you know, adverse experiences or whatever you want to call them, they're just helping you to build grit and to really be able to sustain things and to look at that and say like, oh, maybe that wasn't for me, but that taught me a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's always been something that got me through the times where, yeah, I might've been working in a practice setting that wasn't my calling, but, you know, I needed the hours to get the PhDHP license, or I learned a lot from a really awesome dentist, you know? Um, and that's so much easier to say in hindsight, but I guess the, the take home message is the thing that you really, really want deep down um, doesn't really manifest overnight. And so if you learn to look at the harder times as essential to your growth, it makes it a lot easier. And also writing has been really, really crucial for me. So I journal, mm-hmm. um, I, tr- I try to do it weekly. Sometimes I fall behind, mm-hmm. but I find that really writing down what your intentions are and giving yourself a little love, giving yourself a little positive self-talk and a little coaching 
is really important too. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people that are so unhappy, um, with this career. And I think that a lot of it is saying to yourself, well, I, I can't possibly do anything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've said things to myself that I would never say to my friends. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so it's like, talk to yourself, like you would be talking to a friend. And I think that we all have strengths to bring to this career and we all entered this profession for a reason mm-hmm. and don't tell yourself that your idea is stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if I've learned anything, hygienists are really resilient and really inventive people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all have something different to bring to the table. So we'll all get there differently and in different ways, but don't talk down to yourself. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I really loved something that you said. I can't, um, say it verbatim right now, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the, the bad experiences, or I wouldn't say bad experiences, but the more difficult, challenging experiences that we have are really meant to help mold us for something great. Um, And I think that is so powerful because when we're going through things, oh my gosh. Yeah. You just like feel like, oh, right, like you don't want to deal with it. Like for me, I feel like clawing out somebody's eyes. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But on the days well, I just feel like filtering <laughs> myself, you know, and just be like, oh, I'll just give up, you know? Yeah. It's like, how can this possibly be for the greater good, right? Right. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. But I, I will say that I know that you, uh, you walk and talk exactly, you know, what you're saying exactly what you are actually doing. That's basically what I'm trying to say, because you're one of those lights in our industry. You always oh my have gosh, something. Thank you. <laughs> you, know, you dealt with the challenge of um, a physical challenge and still through all of that, you were able to work through. And I'm sure during that part, you know, that wasn't easy. Oh, can I, can I, I don't know if I'm, a, I'm allowed to, but can I tell oh, a yes. story about that? Okay. Yes, please I'll get, do. I'll get a little personal here. So I actually, you know, I had the PhD HP license for a few years before I actually started using it. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that was so serendipitous and so perfectly timed is that I was working full time you know, in a private practice where you know, I like my patients, my coworkers were really nice, but it just wasn't, wasn't my like career sweet spot. Right. Mm-hmm. And one day I tripped and I fell and I broke my hand. Right. And this is mm-hmm. during this time where I'm like, well, I can't really go for anything else because you know, what happens if I don't get there or, or what happens if I get rejected and uh, negative self-talk on and on and on. And then one day I just, I broke my hand, my dominant hand. So I was out of work for about three months and I'm not kidding. Like maybe a month after I healed, I was tempting, um, wasn't really looking for anything permanent, was thinking about moving out of state just to see um, what other options were in other areas. And I got a call and that's when I got offered this job. Mm, Look at that. So it's kind of like, the timing is really important, I think. Mm-hmm. And just because you're in a place where there are a lot of unknowns, you know, that's a good place to be, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, 
So I don't know if that helps, but it, for me, it was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. never would have expected it. But Oh, I, I really, that's another pearl that you just dropped right there. And I know it's Jasmine so talked a lot about how for your, I think it's your, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but your job that you got in a school, you had to be really persistent and you had to really yes. put yourself out there Yep. and, yep. you know, face rejection and then go in and volunteer and show people that you really wanted something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important message too, because the more that you focus on something, the more that it will grow, right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think that was one of the most challenging things and I'm still working on it. You know, nothing is perfect because when you are, um, especially if you have a personality like myself, where you kind of want like everything stacked a certain way and you're more mm -hmm. of a type A, you've got to have it like this way and this is the way it works. Mm -hmm. When you're pursuing your passion or your calling, there are a lot of unknowns. Yep. And I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's like, oh. <laughs> it's insane. It is insane, seriously. <laughs> And so, like, I have to constantly be talking to myself, writing out my goals, being very intentional about what I'm doing. And it's still, like, I still don't know. Like, just with me on the profi, what I've talked before, I didn't really understand, like, where it was all going to go. Right. You know, it's just I'm following a lot of what I'm doing is following my gut and following what moves me and what feels right in my heart. And... Um, and then going from there, you know, it is, it's scary. It is scary when you Absolutely. have to let it go and trust, trust the process. There you go. Trust the process. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> trust the process. That is something that, um, a colleague of mine said, says Alicia Maria. And, um, I actually have it here from one of my coaches, a little, um, thing that she's actually written out it's actually on my board right in front of me it says trust the process so you really do have to trust the process you do absolutely another thing that comes to mind is um have you read daring greatly by brenna yes. brown yes. yeah isn't that wonderful yeah it's like vulnerability is it's tough but it's good yeah absolutely all right yeah. so here's my last question to you sure what was the best career advice you've ever been given you know i this is a very like recent development, but mm -hmm. I went to NOAA, the National Network for Oral Health Access Conference in New Orleans um, mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. And I was really lucky to meet Mariato. Mm -hmm. And she was nice enough to sit down with me and um, had a cup of coffee. And, you know, here I am like fangirling over Mariato because she's like amazing. And <laughs> she really is. <laughs> And she's just like the sweetest person, like so modest and, you know, please don't like fawn over me. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm like talking up all these amazing things that she's done for our profession and she's advocating and she's researching and she's done so much to learn about us as hygienists. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but you're doing it, you know? And so a lot of times I think that we take, we take the power that we have and we kind of attribute it to things that are external outside of ourselves mm -hmm. when really we can do all these things, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so it, it feels a little, 
I don't know. It's like heartwarming to just like give yourself a pat on the back. Right. And yeah. also love the career and it'll love you back. That's something else that she said. Oh, girl. Yeah. Yes. You know, <laughs> it, it reminds me um, of one of my favorite coaches or motivational speakers. His name is Les Brown. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he says, and which I say, you know, which of course give him credit where I get it from, but there's greatness within all of us. And there truly is. Absolutely. I love that. Isn't that wonderful? Like, yeah, we all have the ability to make our own difference that we want to make. And there's another quote he says, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. Absolutely. So it's like, stop. And that analyzing every single thing. Sometimes it even requires us to turn off the dad on social media. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and get like to work. <laughs> yeah, get to work on your goals. Get to work yeah. on your goals. Absolutely. Yeah, put a blueprint out there, right? And yes. You know, this may be like a little hoo-hoo, but it'll manifest. Like the universe will conspire and it will manifest. It's yeah. just what you focus on, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Aww. Oh man, Lauren, this is such a great conversation. Um, I definitely want you back on the show. <laughs> I would love that. And thank you so much for having me. This has been like just a long time. Like I have wanted to talk to you from day one. So thank you so much. Yes, of course. Um, one day I pass more online where we get a chance to meet face to face. Um, for now, I just have to be some virtual love. So I'm sending you a <laughs> Yes, sending the love right back to you. Thank, thank you so much. Thanks for tuning in to the show. We value each and every one of you. Dive in deeper by visiting the show notes for this episode or listening to more episodes on beyondtheprofi.com. If you found value in the show, share with a friend and leave us a review. We will see you next time, BTP family.